Welcome to The Alex Tremble Show, where we share the strategies and secrets you need to know in order to successfully increase your influence, build strategic networks, and advance in your career. An award-winning speaker, author, and leadership coach, Alex brings executive leaders from across the world to share their inspirational stories and insights to help you become an exceptional public servant while also reaching your career goals. Without further ado, here's your host, Alex D. Tremble. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show, and I'm so happy that you're going to be joining us here today. Today, we have Mr. Paul Brailsford. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of Brailsford and Dunlavy. And like all of our other panelists and other guests of the show, he is going to bring a wealth of experience and advice and this mentorship, and he's going to, to, to pour into all of us today some hope that you're ready for a phenomenal time together. Of the many topics that we will discuss with Paul, we're gonna be talking about a few things specifically. One is how do you make ethical decisions? How do you make the right decision when the right decision may hurt you? Um, we also are gonna be talking about how to make effective and strategic recommendations for those that you work with and around so that not only their interests are served and the organization's interests are served, but your interests are served as well. And finally, we're going to be talking about something that I've been having in my heart for a while. When you should say yes to opportunities and when you should say no. Man, this is going to be a great time. Without any further ado, let's get rolling. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from The Alex Trumbull Show. And I'm, again, excited to be bringing to you another phenomenal leader, someone who's going to be sharing their expertise, their experience, their stories that are that are geared and focused to help you um, be a better leader, but not only be a better leader, leader in your organization, but also, um, you know, again, reaching your personal your personal goals as well. And so without any further ado, I'd love to say good morning. How are you doing, um, uh, Mr. Paul? Brailsford. How are you doing, kind sir? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm feeling like you and I are, are already gelling. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to roll with Paul, right? I'm just going to roll with Paul today. Absolutely. Please. <laughs> awesome. 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 So, you know, I, I'm, I want to start off in an interesting place because um, again, I've been working with individuals in many different sectors and would you mind sharing a little bit about what you do? So you're, you're the you're the co-founder and CEO of Brailsford and Dunlavey. Um, can you explain what are you guys doing there, and then what do you do as the CEO? Oh gosh, the um, we we do so many things. I, I I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to say it succinctly. Um, so depending upon the mood I'm in. Um, I may say we're in the business of making the world a better place. If I, if I want to be a little bit more expansive and, and not um, provoke a, a quizzical look on whoever's face I'm talking to, um, I, I may say that we, we spend time helping um, develop and improve uh, the anchors of, of community. And, and so the things that we focus on are generally public, a lot of sports facilities, stadiums and arenas, recreation centers. Um, our client categories are mostly higher education and um, and, and uh, municipal clients. And so that's why 
our sports is such a big part of what we do because higher education has a lot of sports and communities have a lot of sports, major minor league professional sports, youth sports, training facilities, recreation facilities, multi-gen facilities. So when you add it all up, sports is really the common denominator. But we also do um, many other things, um, housing, whether it's student housing, uh, workforce housing, affordable housing. Um, that's another thing that, 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 that bubbles up a lot. Um, but we focus on facilitating decision-making and that is where the value gets built in. Implementation is great, but if you're implementing the wrong thing, you're challenging the opportunity to create value. And so our, our clients are usually complex with respect to stakeholder diversity and scale. And so we think a lot about what the topic is today, which is leadership. So, so you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Troy, and, he, and Troy is actually the one who introduced me to you. And Troy is the, uh, the, the CEO of, um, oh my goodness, Tedco. Ted um, and he also has been on this, this show. So anyone who hasn't listened, please go watch that episode. Um, you brought up the, the reason why he wanted me to talk to you was because the exact word that you said, you said, facilitate decision-making. So, and especially for complex organizations, we know the, the government organizations are very large and very complex. So first, let's start off with just talking about how do you, what does it mean to facilitate decision-making to ensure that you, you, you end up in the right place versus just somewhere out having kumbaya conversations everywhere? Yeah, um, most of the people who do what I do um, assume that the client is omniscient with respect to priorities and is uber capable to bring judgment to decision-making. Um, without being condescending, we don't assume that at all. Um, we assume that the client's mind is flooded with a gazillion details and it's our job to be able to frame the decision, sequence decisions. So that's our job to take leadership control over that. And what we have found is what we want to be able to do is not boss the client around, but we want to be able to facilitate their ability to bring clear judgment to the decision. And we do that through criteria. So, we, so, um, so let's say you're getting ready to sit down to have a meal. And if I was your waiter, I might say, um, Mr. Tremble, how are you doing this evening? Um, at the end of the meal, how would you like to feel? Oh. Would you like to be, would you, you're getting, you're going dancing later. So you'd like to feel light and flexible, no longer hungry, but you know, energetic, or would you like to be able to just walk away and sit into a deep, comfortable chair with an after dinner drink and cigar and be completely relaxed? Those are two options. I just gave you criteria. Now I can tell you what you should eat, drink, the pace, the whole thing. I now have enough information to organize your experience. And it's the same thing with the complex projects. If it's a stadium in a community, what is the point? What do you, what, do you want it to be multi-purpose? Um, schools. So what, what, what else do you want the school to be 
other than a place where a school, where a student goes and learns? Do you want the school to be able to be an economic development generator? Do you want it to also be a, a community recreation um, infrastructure? There are so many other things, but we can bring criteria of what do you want your, what are the ambitions and objectives and outcomes that you want for your community? We can then turn that into criteria, and now we can give you choices that are related to that. Um, that's particularly important when we're dealing with large stakeholder groups. So many people make a mistake and say, everybody come to this meeting and they say, guys, what are your thoughts? What do you want? And it's not, it's not limited. And now the whole process goes out of control because don't ask me what I want if you're not going to listen to me. And if you try to narrow it later and my idea doesn't fit within your new parameters, I'm grumpy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love, so we're, we're just now kicking off this interview and you're already, like, I think you're blowing minds and people who have, if, if your mind hasn't been blown, let me just take this back a little, little bit. So you're, you're talking about the criteria, which is understanding what the outcome needs to be. So I, I think, I think there, there's a few levels to this. The first, I think that, uh, I think that many people get in the practice of doing stuff. This is my job. I'm going I'm to have these tasks. Let me do these things. And they don't look to find out what the actual outsized income, what the ultimate end, um, end goal is so they can provide those right recommendations. And so I'm thinking about this at, at that at first level. Um, but I'm also thinking now, not only when you speak to, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, people who are leaders talking to executive leaders um, and executive leaders who are also talking to more senior level executive leaders. So not only should you be, focused on the outcome of that project. Um, but maybe, maybe you should also be trying to understand what the outcome of that person who you're trying to get a decision from, like what outcome do they want in their life or their career? If they, if you know they want a promotion, then maybe you offer recommendations that are gonna be slightly different than someone who does, who's not interested in the promotion, who's interested in certain, um, who just the status quo. like. So understanding what the desire, the want is of the person you're working with. So, so you, you just you just stepped into a, a big area of, of, of concern <laughs> for me. Um, if someone told me that their goal was to be promoted, the first thing I would say to them was set that aside. That is a that that is a goal that will pervert your performance. Um, so when someone um, comes to me and says, you're a leader, teach me how to be a leader. The first thing I say is, don't focus on being a leader. As soon as you focus on being a leader, you've already compromised your ability to be impactful as a leader. So let me explain that. Um, most people view leadership being out in front. If you're committed to being the person who's out in front, Mm -hmm. but you want to be able to take responsibility for outcomes. You may not be the person in any given moment that is most capable of actually facilitating that outcome. So if you're committed to being out in front, the leader, you may not, you may be compromising your ability to actually produce the outcome you want to be associated with. So the first thing is forget about being a leader and instead Focus on being responsible. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. So once you decide that you're going to be responsible, 
everything starts to change. And then I fuse that with a notion of humility. Now, a lot of people, because it's the way we've been raised in this society, see humility as sort of looking down at your feet and saying, oh, shucks, ma'am, it wasn't nothing, right? It's a, it's a disposition. Mm-hmm. But I actually say, no, that's not the same, right? If you want to be responsible for outcomes, there's a certain ambition that comes along with that. You can't then step back and say, I'm going to deliberately dial myself down so somebody else has a shot. Yeah, It's inconsistent with creating optimized outcomes. So instead, my version of humility is not being self-deprecating, but recognizing the valuable contributions that others can make. Mm-hmm. And measuring that appropriately and fusing that together with what you can do because sometimes you lead from behind and that's the best way. But if you're hung up on the image of being a leader, you're going to make mistakes and compromise the quality of outcomes that you can be associated with. Thank you so much for sharing that. I I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, so I'm going to, we're going to continue down this road. Then Um, you talked about responsibility. Um, as a leader, and then this is not a political show, but I, I, I want to use a word called um, political capital. So um, some people may remember um, back in the day when uh, President Obama, President Obama was the, the president. Um, he very early on took responsibility for a lot of things that happened, and some people felt like, "Oh, that's not your job to take responsibility. That's the other person's job, or whatever." And so, as a leader, when is it? appropriate to take responsibility? And when is it not appropriate to take responsibility for someone else's actions? If the person is reporting to you, it's never appropriate to not take responsibility. Um, There's a, um, I recently watched a a video by uh, Simon Sinek. Um, And like most people, my generation, we, we struggle with people who are younger. Um, particularly millennials, because we don't get them. And, you know, we're, you know, if I say I'm old school, you know what that means. You know, it means that I grew up being really independent, responsible. Um, I took nothing for granted. I knew that I had to work twice as hard, yada, yada, yada. That's old school. Um, Well, when I was growing up, only one person got a trophy. Millennials grew up everybody got a participation trophy. The, the, the sense of self-worth that's associated with success and what are the metrics, what is, what's the feedback we get from society is completely different. So I can't get frustrated with a millennial for being a millennial, for being what they were raised to be because mm-hmm. they're not old school like me and be dismissive. Yeah, I have to take responsibility for understanding how to connect. So if the person under me doesn't do what needs to be done, I can't just say it's their fault they didn't get it. It's my fault that I didn't get them to understand it. I hear you. I I, I hear you. And I'm with you. I think a lot of people find it maybe difficult to do that because they feel like if they take responsibility for someone else's 
quote unquote failure, you know, let's call it that right now, um, that they will look bad, that people will see them as a failure. And it's not my failure, it's the other person's failure. Like, what would you say to someone who's worried about if they take responsibility for someone else's stuff, that they will be seen as a failure themselves? Um, I have a lot of thoughts about, um, you, you stepped into a, a relatively complex issue. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing is, why are you concerned about failure? You're worried about failure because you think the failure might define you. Okay. So the way I look at failure and the way I encourage people that I'm trying to motivate to look at failure is um, give yourself a sense that you're worthy. Worthy of what? Worthy of whatever success you might experience. And I'm going to take you back to when you were first learning how to ride a bicycle. When your parent or whoever was teaching you how to ride the bicycle first let go, the first thing was, can I really do this? Can I keep doing this or or am I going to fail? And basically you're saying, am I skilled enough? Am I talented enough? Am I prepared enough? Do I deserve to stay on this bicycle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you doubt that, you wibble wobble when you fall off. So when you are, when you define that you're worthy, it gives you that underlying confidence to stay with whatever success you're experiencing and not be intimidated by it. That's incredibly important. Being afraid to be ahead of what you think you've earned is one of the most intimidating things a human being can experience. Because you start thinking, wow, do I really belong here? Is someone going to discover that I'm a fraud? I'm not really talented enough to be in this seat. Very intimidating place to be. Accept that you are worthy for all good things to come. The flip side that you gain from that sense of worthiness is your failures don't define you. You're worthy. And if you really look at it, even even someone who's had a lot of difficulties... There's more things on the positive side of your ledger than on the negative side. Let that define you. Let your sense of possibility define you. Let your commitment to your integrity define you. Let your authenticity define you. A failure is not disruptive. So be transparent. And you will then become more more powerful, more impactful, because being relaxed is critically important to being your best. Got to relax into your sense of worthiness so that you can move forward. Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? 
Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. See, I knew there is a reason that the last month I've been waiting for this day to talk to you. Um, I, 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 had, I had a sense when I saw your picture, I was like, oh, this is the guy we got to talk to. Um, you're, you're dropping so many, so many um, ph- phenomenal nuggets of wisdom. And to be honest, I, I really have been thinking about this time because I want to I ask you a question. Um, hopefully you have a little bit of context, but I'll say is um, recently there was a video put out by Dave Chappelle. Um, I believe it was called uh, Unforgiven or something like that. And he talks about this, this concept that I teach in my political savvy course about ethics. Um, and what he says in that video is um, he feels that he's being wrong. You know, when he first started off and he did the Chappelle show, um, he was 28 years old. This show is about to be huge. And he, he thought he was pressured into um, to saying yes um, to, to the agreement. Long story short, the show was hugely successful. And now the organizations are making money off of him um, and he's not being compensated for it. Um, the question arises, um, what he says is just because you're right, just because you're right doesn't mean it's right. Um, just because it's legally right doesn't mean it's morally right, right? And so I mean, the question I want to ask you is, you know, how do you go about making decisions between what is right and what is right? Because it's easy when something's wrong and something's right. But when you have something that is legally, yeah, you know, look, I, in the dotted line, we could do whatever we want to um, versus, you know what? Maybe we're not going to make as much money. Maybe we're not going to have as much progress but I think this feels right. Like, how do you, as a leader, make those decisions between what's right and what's right? Um, it's not an in-the-moment thing. Um, it's being really, really committed to increasing your level of maturity on a daily basis. Um, a lot of people don't see it this way. You know, I, I, I talk a lot about integrity. And... You know, people say, well, integrity just means telling the truth all the time. No, integrity is a much higher bar than that. Because you can be a scoundrel and just admit it. That is not integrity. So um, integrity to me um, 
I've read a lot of different definitions. The one that has meant the most to me is that if you just break down what the word integrity, how it's structured, it has the same root as integration. So it means that something is inextricably bound together. And what are those things? It's your beliefs, it's your values, and your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, those things th- those things are, are complex. You know, there's a reason why we so often as human beings go, if I'd only known, I would have done it differently. You know, things come at us so quickly that if you don't have what I call maturity, maturity of really understanding what your belief system is, really understanding what your value system is, and then just being committed to aligning your behavior with that, right? Because that's how you, that's how at the end of life, you'll have the shortest possible list of things in the could have, would have, should have categories. And, um, and you let that be your guide. Now we're human and it's a maturation process. It's a lifelong maturation process. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to accumulate regrets. But again, go back to your core sense of worthiness and don't let that define you. What defines you is your commitment to doing it right the next time. And, and you know, the, the, um, the Gallup organization does all of these polls continuously. You may not know this, but they are polling somebody somewhere mm-hmm. every day, multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they do internationally and on a state-by-state basis is they um, are grading people's well-being. And it's just five dimensions of well-being. I don't need to go through that. But they've correlated the relationship of a sense of well-being with personal income. And after someone makes roughly $100,000, well-being no longer correlates with income. Because it has nothing, what, what people have a sense of well-being when they have a strong sense that they're living according to their integrity. And so when you understand that more money, more power isn't really going to make you happier, doing the right thing is what's going to give you peace on earth. So I I, I love this because I, I too agree with the, I, I didn't know where you were going to go with this. As soon as you started going, I, I was, I was vibing with you. Um, I always tell people that you should identify your values like now, like today, because at some point, at some point, if you're going to continue moving forward and moving in more senior level positions, you're going to have opportunities. And at some point, something's going to come past your, your desk that is going to be maybe be very beneficial for you, but maybe it's not ethical. Maybe it's not legal and it's going to, you're going to be faced with a decision to make. And it may be a difficult decision. Maybe you need that money to take care of your family, whatever it may be. It may be a difficult decision, but if you've made the decision earlier on, if you made a decision today, these are my values. This is how I'm going to make those decisions in the future. I think it becomes an easier decision, right? Like I already know who I am. I, I don't need to make, I don't need to wait for now to say, okay, am I going to do this or not? Absolutely. Um, and you can, you can view the importance of your values from a very selfish perspective. You want to get ahead in life. You want to be reliable. You want to be trustworthy. You don't, people don't like to work with people 
who are the most talented, who are the best looking. They like to work with people they can depend on. And so get your values straight and don't keep them to yourself. Get your values straight and let everybody know what you value, what you believe, so that they can understand that you are behaving consistent with your values and beliefs. Once they understand that and they understand your values and beliefs, beliefs, you become predictable, but the more importantly, you become predictable in all the right ways. And then, you know, again, don't focus on being a leader, but who do you want to follow? The person who's predictable in all the right, right ways. And so just focus on those core things and any ambition you have for being able to be responsible for significant outcomes will start to happen. And when you're responsible for very significant outcomes, you will find that people will eventually start asking you, how did you become a great leader? So again, Troy spoke about this earlier, um, because you kind of hit on this. You talked about when you have those significant outcomes and you, you are an ethical person, you have your values, people know who you are, you're predictable. Um, and then you have people start reaching out to you for, for giving you, offering you opportunities. Um, has, has that ever, has it happened to you as you've moved forward in your career? Have people come and just kind of offered you opportunities? And then if I can ask, how did you, you know, what, what do you think you did to, to, to make people think of you on a particular topic to the one to offer you an opportunity versus you always applying for jobs everywhere. Well, um, because I own my own business, people think that I don't any longer apply for a job. Every time I acquire a new client, I'm applying for a job. So I actually am more engaged with the job application process than most people because I do it multiple times a week. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so um, it's about brand. And, I, and, and you have to think about brand, not superficially, but brand authentically. And so you want to be known for things that make people refer you. You know, and so um, I will never, ever mislead a client. I will never say, yes, I can do this for you if I think I'm actually not qualified to protect their interests. And so I've gotten more work by saying, you don't really want me to do that. Let me go get someone who can do this for you. Or I can only do this portion. I'm going to go get a team member who can fill this gap because a positive outcome for you is the only thing that matters. And that builds a certain caliber of trust. So someone may call some, you know, maybe someone might call Troy. Who do you think I should talk to about this? Well, call Paul, he'll tell you the truth. And when you, when you live your life that way, you know, I don't, um, I guess I don't really think about it as a flow of opportunities, but that's one way to look at it. It's, um, we, we live in a, in a very, very interconnected world and you just need to put positive energy, positive results, think in a long-term um, perspective, think in terms of relationships instead of transactions, mm-hmm. and, and, and things will work out. 
Well, can, can you dig a little deeper into this? Because I'm, I'm, I know there's the individual right now who's listening and saying, okay, well, um, well, I'm going to, if someone comes to me and I'm not ready for the opportunity, maybe I should pass it along. Like, so where's that, where's that cut line between saying, you know what, I'm not the right person to do this and someone saying, I think I can do it. I can grow. I can stretch myself. And I can kind of can accomplish it. I mean, cause you wouldn't you know, turn away everything that, that was maybe a little more difficult than what you've, than you've done in the past. Like where's that cut line? Um, you have to think entrepreneurially. And by that, I mean, you think about creating value and never think about yourself as being the singular part of the answer. And entrepreneurs think about outcome and they think about what resources do I need to acquire to bring to bear to making this happen. If you think about yourself as an enterprise that way, entrepreneurially, um, and you keep your humility locked close, you will reduce the number of times that you say, I really can't do this. Because there's a big difference between saying, I can't do this, and I can't do this by myself. If you, if you, if, if, if you, if I, I, I call humility the great um, capacity expander. If I, you know, you may not be able to move um, a thousand pound beam by yourself, but you and nine other people, it's a piece of cake. So, um, and in fact, when I'm asking people to do things, um, I often say do or cause to be done because I want people not to see the request as being a request for them to do something singularly, do or cause to be done. And if you hear somebody's request in that same vein, someone's not saying, can you do this? If you hear someone saying, can you do this or can you cause it to be done? Your response is different. I, 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 look, I'm saying I love it again, but I really do. Lo I love it. Um, I, I was actually just interviewed for a podcast uh, by a colleague of mine, I think called um, uh, uh, Tuesdays with Coach C. And um, <laughs> she asked me, how did I go about overseeing and creating an executive leadership development program when I was 23? And she's like, how, how did you do that? And I, my answer was, I was very confident. I was very confident that I didn't know everything. And because I knew I didn't know everything, I knew I had to reach out and get other people to help this be successful. There's no way this 23 year old kid was gonna do it. So I, I love you know, what you're talking about. Either, either you can do it or you can cause it to happen. Like I, I, I love that. I love, I'm hoping everyone's listening to this because this is something that I think many government employees um, who want to progress in their career need to be hearing is that you don't have to necessarily be ready to do it on your own. But if you know that you have the right connections, the right resources, the right um, uh, uh, relationships, um, you, can, you can make something happen. But that also then underscores the importance of having and building those relationships early. <laughs> right. That, that, that's right. And, and when you're thinking about um, doing or causing to be done, you don't have to be able to imagine the solution to commit to finding the solution. Um, and, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people that as they define themselves, uh, 
they're calibrate, excuse me, they're, they're, they're trying to calibrate their intellect and whether their intellect makes them capable. And that's a problem because our educational system starts, whether people know it or not, that they're, they're getting some form of IQ test. And then someone is making a judgment of what slot or track they should be educated within. And, and then you, what you see is, you know, those are all the high performing kids in that class over there. You know that those are all the underperforming kids in that class. And what do we do as human beings? We say those are the smart kids and those are the dumb kids. And then we relate ourselves to one of those two groups. What people need to understand is your intellect is not that much different than your physical being. If you are a chubby kid, that does not mean you can't get in shape. If you want proof, go look up a picture of what Arnold Schwarzenegger looked like when he was 16 years old. He was a little skinny kid. And if that kid told you he's going to become Mr. Olympia, you would laugh out loud. Right. In the <laughs> right. Yeah. But he understood that there was a developmental process he could commit to. And too many people don't understand that they're able to view their intellects in that same vein. And so you may not know something or you may not be able to do something. And one of the things that I, I, I coach um, people when they're having that conversation with themselves and they say, I can't do X or Y, to be disciplined, to have that thought and think, comma, yet. It's not a permanent condition. Yeah. It's your current state. Now, what are you going to do about it? Man, uh, Paul, I, I, I really wish that you and I could just sit down and talk for a few more hours. And I, I, honestly, I, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to position myself. I'm going to say, do you mind if I stay connected with you? Absolutely. See, I see. I did. I did get him on record. So no one can, you know, you can't say <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, I do. I, I want to wrap up our time together. You have been so gracious with the time you've allowed us today. Um, uh, really quickly, do you have any you know, final thoughts, ideas, anything, anything you'd like to share, even something you're working on that you're excited about, anything you'd like to share with everyone right now? Yeah, I think I, the most important thing is don't be afraid to be yourself. Um, just be committed to making yourself the best version that you can be. Um, there's, there's a bunch of different ways to, to emulate people. And we, we tend to emulate people who impress us in some way. Um, underneath what you're seeing that you're resonating with is something that, you, that relates to a foundational principle that you have. Take the time to deconstruct it, understand the essence of it, and then feel, figure out how to bring that into your own game and express it through your own personality. That way you are learning from what you're observing, but you're not mimicking, you're emulating and expressing it through your own way. And then, and then, you'll, then you'll be comfortable in your own skin. 
again, you, you have been a value, a value add to everyone here, especially myself. Thank, thank you so much, Paul, for uh, for allowing me to 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 sit down and have a conversation with you in front with, with everyone here who's listening. Um, I, I encourage all of you if you felt if you thought that anything Paul said here today was of value, if it helped you in your career in your life at all, again, don't keep it to yourself. Don't just look back reach back. If there's someone you know who could benefit from hearing this message, make sure you share it with this person. Share it with that person. Make sure they, they, they listen to it. Tell them what minute to, to start listening at, at just so they get at least something um, of all the value that was provided today. Um, I do, as always, need you to encourage you to, to click the like, click the subscribe, click whatever buttons are, you know, again, wherever this is right now, click the button so that other people can see it and know that it's going to be of value to them as well. Um, this is Alex Trimble again from the Alex Trimble Show. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. Bye, everyone. See you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.